It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The clown is in the house. This is Funny the Clown Podcast. I am your host, Dennis Worth. Uh, strange time in comedy, man. Uh, man, uh, venues are just uh, empty, man, with this coronavirus. The media is, uh, I don't know, I don't know if the media is hyping up or if it's actually true, but it's a strange time for comedy. This is comedy, episode 54, March 15th, 2020. As always, Funny the Clown Podcast is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. For the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time, there's only one G Vegas. Find that at www.gvegas.webs.com. And um, today we will be discussing uh, legendary clean comic Drew Carey. And uh, what a what a rise to fame this guy had, and he did it clean, which is uh, difficult. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. You know, being in the stand-up comedy business. Um, you know, everybody's canceling out. Nobody wants to be in a crowded place. And uh, from what I've heard online, that you know, it was from other countries, you know, eating bats and stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I heard. You know, they're keeping live chickens, you know, cages on top of uh, ferret cages. And the ferrets are catching diseases from the chickens. And they're breathing in the air. And humans are catching it. But uh, then other doctors are saying, you know, it's an airborne disease. Everybody's sanitizing their hands, which is safe to do to begin with. But, uh... It ain't going to stop an airborne disease, so sanitizing hands ain't going to fight this particular disease. But, um, you know, they're saying, you know, we don't hear about it so much, but thousands of people die each year from the flu, and they say it's no worse than the flu. But, uh, you know, the media, the media is to blame, and some people have called out the media. They're, they're creating fear. But what I'd say is, you know, support your local comedy venue, or otherwise you're not going to have a venue to go back to when this is all over. So... If you purchase tickets instead of, you know, asking for a refund, maybe ask for a ticket to a future show so they can keep the money and you'll have a, a show to go back to. Because if everybody asks for their money back and nobody shows up, there ain't going to be any more venues doing comedy. Um, it's a scary time. I'd say support comedy and uh, let's all stick together and not let fear overcome common sense. You need common sense, but, you know, not to the point where... Normal people can't buy a to toilet paper roll because all the uh, the fear mongers are stocking up on them. So uh, let's think about everybody, not just ourselves. All right, Drew Carey, man. Um, here's a guy served in the Marine Corps when he was young, which that kind of surprised me when I read about it. I, I don't see uh, <laughs> Drew Carey as a Marine-type person. He's, you know, I mean, and they seem like hard asses. He seems like a fun-loving guy, but I guess even the Marines have a fun-loving side. You don't know. Uh, he was a sergeant, which, I mean, uh, that was his rank. So, I guess, uh, sergeant in the Marines, I guess, uh, he's a tough guy we didn't know. Who knew? Drew Carey could whoop some ass, man. Uh, after he got out of the Marine Corps, um, he started stand-up comedy, uh, made an name for himself there. He went on to do the Drew Carey show, which everybody remembers him for. He did, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Both of those airing on CBS, uh, Currently, since 2007, he's on The Price is Right, uh, which is the all-time game show right there. Um, things I didn't know about him, he's actually, aside from comedy, he's the minority owner in a major league soccer team, the uh, 
the Seattle Sounders FC team. Um, he briefly participated in pro wrestling. Uh, 2001, he was part of the Royal Rumble. And then uh, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2011. And again, I couldn't see him being a sergeant in the military, and I can't see Drew Carey wrestling. But, I mean, he's an old man now. Who knows what he did back in the day? Good for him. He didn't uh, didn't hold around. Uh, I guess if you want to know about him, read his autobiography, Dirty Jokes and Beer. Which, uh, who don't like Dirty Jokes and Beer? That's right up my alley right there. Uh, which is funny because, you know, Dirty Jokes and Beer is his autobiography, and he worked clean. He made a name for himself as a clean comic, which... Uh, Hats off, you can do that, you know, I mean, I grew up watching dirty comedy, that's what I found funny, and that's how my head rolls, and, you know, you, you certainly work a lot more in comedy, if you work clean, and you gotta read your crowd, you know, if I walk into a bar show with a bunch of 20-year-old kids, I tell dirty jokes and they love them, you know, if I go to a big hall show and there's a bunch of 60-year-old people, then I gotta tell clean jokes, because as funny as the dirty ones may be, they're not buying it, so you gotta read your audience, they call it in comedy, and, uh, Certainly, uh, I, I respect people who can work clean more because, to me, it's not easy to do. They say it's a lot easier to make a clean joke dirty than it is to make a dirty one clean. And even when I try to, not that I swear so much in my routine because I don't, but I pick some off subjects that I talk about and you see people just uncomfortable talk about something else, would you? I don't want to talk about this, but everybody's got a different taste in comedy and a good comedian but prepared for anything you know if they like the dirty stuff you go with it if you don't you switch over to clean if they like that you go with it. but I mean you, every crowd's different and you gotta know how to handle every crowd in comedy and it takes years and years and years of experience to craft that art you know you can be as funny as you want okay but you know being funny is only a part of comedy you gotta know how to handle different crowds you know some wanna laugh some won't laugh what's gonna get this in particular crowd to laugh that's the art form right there uh, let's see, Drew wrote jokes for a friend, uh, he was a disc jockey on radio, and he wrote, you know, jokes for his friends to use on radio. At the suggestion of that disc jockey, his friend, he said you should try comedy. Uh, he started doing open mics, he actually won an open mic, and from there he went on to be master of ceremonies at a Cleveland comedy club. So, uh, you know, he's, he's doing good if he's winning, winning, which most comedy contests, I gotta say, they're fixed, uh, the ones that I go to, they pretty much know who the winners are be before the, the contest even starts. I mean, there are some that are legit, but uh, those are more of the smaller level ones. When you hit the bigger level ones at the club, uh, you know, they know who's going to win. But you do it for exposure. Even if you don't win, you get seen by the club owner, and that might catch their eye and might lead to, to later work. But uh, hats off to him for winning that one. Um, from there, I get. Now, I actually saw him on this. Uh, in 1988, he was on Star Search. That was his first big big break I guess and uh you know I wasn't even that big a fan of the show but I happened to be watching that particular night when when uh, Drew had his debut on Star Search it was funny I remember he had a tie and he had like a coat hanger in the tie and he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff with it yeah it might be on YouTube Google it. it was a great routine but uh he certainly he made you laugh he worked clean and it was a, a great start for him and back then it was a great mecca Star Search I guess back then was the American Idol of today or you know the, uh, you know, great talent search of the time it was, I guess. And uh, that led to 1991. He got a break on the uh, Tonight Show during the Carson era. And, uh, you know, just being on, everybody says, you know, I was on the Tonight Show. Go, well, what era? Because if you were on the Carson era, it's such a bigger credit. Not that it's a small credit beyond on now, but it was a special time back then. If you were on the Carson area, that's known in comedy as a special time. And uh, 
just to get on was an honor. And if you wanted the ultimate honor, when you got done your set, you'd look over to Johnny sitting at the desk, and if he gave you the wave, that meant come on over, you did a good job, and then you even hit another level, you know, where, where he talked to you on the couch. You know, if, if he didn't like it, he'd just go to commercials. So if you got the wave or if you got the okay, come on over, right, right there. You were just a made comic back then where... You know, it's a great honor getting on The Tonight Show nowadays, but you're not a made comic, okay? You're, you're, you're at the top of your game, maybe, but you're not just automatically selling out venues for being on that one appearance. It don't happen. Um, after that, he was on the 14th annual Young Comedian Special on HBO. And, you know, i got to tell you, that opened up uh, pay television. I was there. Uh, I'm dating myself here, but I was there for the time. And it just opened a whole new mecca for comedy because uh, while Drew did work clean... Back then, if you were a killer dirty comic, it didn't matter. There was nothing they could do. You couldn't get them on TV because the FCC, you know, they wouldn't let you, you wouldn't let you air it. And, you know, I remember uh, Bill Hicks, they once wanted him to come on uh, on to, what was it, uh, The Late Show with David Letterman. But they said, you know, if you got on, you got to clean it up if you come on. It's like, so I've done such a good job in comedy, you want me, but then you want me to change my act when I go on your show. And he wouldn't go on for the longest time because, you know, he said, you know, I want Bill Hicks to be on, but then tell him, don't be Bill Hicks, you know. So that was that was a great analogy, I thought, you know. But, I mean, once the HBO comedy came in, you could pay television. It's like serious radio now. You can say whatever you want, do whatever you want. It opened up some of the funniest comedians our time. That opened up such a new new level for them. Uh, just to get on those, Rodney Dangerfield put them together year after year. And, I mean, just so much talent. Kennison, Roseanne Barr, Tim Allen, uh... Just legend after legend. You know, Drew Carey, obviously, another one who got on there. And, you know, this is before you're big and popular. That's why they call it the, you know, the Young Comedian Special. This is the next generation that's being brought to you. Some hit it big, some didn't. But, man, you, you were definitely a made comic if you were on there. Uh, that led to appearances on Late Night with David Letterman. And, you know, back then it was, you know, Carson. Then it was, you know, Jay Leno and David Letterman. And depending on the guest, that would be who you watch. But they were both at the top of the game. These were all the best late night shows. Uh, 1994. He actually, after all that success, he opened up and uh, put his own comedy special out there. Um, Human Cartoon on Showtime. And it won the uh, Ace Award for Best Writing. Which, uh, I guess he said, he, he supports libraries now, he said. Because he went to the libraries and he read books on how to write a good joke. And, uh... I did. I took a comedy class, and I can't remember the name of the book, but uh, I was I was told to read this book, and I read it, and it did. It gave me so much great information. I mean, on anything, you got to educate yourself. You know, a doctor don't walk in and say, hey, I'm a doctor. It takes years of schooling, years of education, and the same thing with comedy. Well, you may be the class clown. You may be funny at work. You need structure. You need instruction from the people ahead of you in comedy. It's like I said, it takes years to perfect the art, you know, just because you're you're funny around the house or you're funny at work don't mean you're going to step up on stage and be a funny comic. You need structure and you need to learn from the people ahead of you. And the smart people learn and, you know, some of these young kids, they think, oh, I'm, I'm the next hot thing comic. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Yeah, well, you ain't going to be lasting very long in the business, okay? You got to pay your dues and you got to learn like anybody else. Um, after uh, the special on Showtime, that opened up some small roles. He was in the movie Coneheads, which I guess it was just a cameo. He was in a taxi scene or something, but... Certainly, you know, Dan Aykroyd, that was one of the big shows at the time. Saturday Night Live alumni right there. So just to be in that movie would give you a, a great credit alone, you know. You go to a comedy club, do you have any, you know, credits? Yeah, I was in Coneheads. Okay. Boom, we'll put you right on right there. Don't matter if it was a small role, you were in the movie. So 
that's how you start out by doing small things. Nobody starts at the top. I wish these these young kids would get that. Everybody thinks they're going to be headlining their first week in comedy, and they don't. They got to pay their dues, and everybody thinks they're ready. And you know, so, somebody had to tell me I wasn't ready. I didn't want to hear it. I was getting as many laughs as everybody else. But looking back now, they were right. Because although I was funny and having good sets, I didn't know how to handle every situation yet. You know, you you need to learn how to handle every situation in comedy. That's what makes you a headliner right there. You know, some of these kids, they think, I can talk for 45 minutes, I'm a headliner. Well, it ain't can you talk for 45 minutes, can you carry the crowd for 45 minutes? That's what makes you a headliner. Um, he was on The Good Life, it was an NBC sitcom, it was very short-lived, uh, but that got his feet wet in the old television business there, which led to the Drew Carey show in a nine-year run. Um, he did have uh, concerns, you know, he couldn't... He couldn't give the show the edge that he wanted to give, the edge that was in his stand-up comedy because of all the censorship on television. And he did have very, very a lot of concerns about that during the, the show's run, which I remember uh, Andrew Dice Clay, he had a, a short-lived sitcom, Bless This House, and it didn't last very long because they didn't want him to be Dice. Everybody knew Dice for being dirty. You tuned in to see Dice, and now he's turning into Bill Cosby, and... They told him, let's start out slow, and then we'll leave some balls into the character later on. Well, they never got around easing it on, and the crowd, you know, his crowd wouldn't accept him. They tuned in to see Dice. He wasn't Dice. They tuned him out, and that was it for the show. So that's a legitimate concern for Drew Carey, but, I mean, he made a nine-year run at it. He found ways around it. Uh, he started out making sixty grand an episode. That went up to three hundred grand an episode. Then when it really hit its peak, he went up to seven hundred and fifty grand an episode, and it was costing three million dollars an episode to produce. And they said that was part of why it led to its demise, you know, because you start making so much money that they can't afford to put it on the air, you know. They do that a lot in comedy. Rather than pay a headliner and give a killer show, well, I don't want to pay this much to a headliner. I'll go get some young kid who's half as funny, you know. The show's not as funny. But you're making more money because you don't have to pay out as much. So, But you're killing the product because people ain't coming back because it's not as funny as if you booked a headliner. So, you know, a good venue, they'll pay the money. They may not make as much, but they get the good talent in there. A cheaper venue, you know, they'll go with the younger comics. But that's why they don't get the big crowds because word ain't getting out. People ain't getting back. And it's really killing comedy. Um, half the genius of the show was, I guess, is... Uh, and th this was on this show, the Drew Carey show. I was a fan of his comedy. But it was on a night where I had to work, and I, I never caught the show. I mean, I saw a few reruns. I did enjoy the ones that I saw, but I never got heavy into the show because it wasn't on my time schedule that I could watch it, which I probably would have had it been on one of my nights off. But uh, half the genius of the show was his interaction with Mimi, who was uh, one of his co-workers there. And, um, you know, having a, having a good, you know, who, who's Abbott without Costello? Who's Laurel without Hardy? You know, having that counterpart to, to make your magic click. You don't always find that magic. They were able together to find that magic. Uh, I relate to, you know, the show Roseanne. You know, while Roseanne Barr was the star of the show, John Goodman, I thought, really carried that show, you know. I mean, she was the name. She was funny. But without, without John Goodman, without that click, the, the show wasn't much, you know. Um, in 1998, he was at the peak of his game. Forbes magazine put him in his 24th on their list, making 45 point. $5 million a year. Uh, that was from the Drew Carey show and his next project, Whose Line Is It Anyway, where they did a lot of improv on that show. Um, so, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, where he'd sit there, they'd throw out ideas to two people, and 
whatever idea they throw out, they had to act out that idea. That's called improv and comedy. And uh, the show had a great run. People tuned in. It was different. You know, nobody else was doing it at the time. And people wanted to tune in. And like anything, you know, no show lasts forever. It had its run. But he was at the top of his game. Uh, this led to him being on some of the Comedy Central roasts. And I, I, I do love the roast. Now, who don't like a good roast, you know? And uh, I remember... Uh, he, he was hosting one of the roasts, and he brought Jimmy Kimball up, and this was before Jimmy Kimball. He was only on Comedy Central before his Tonight Show, you know, late night show on mainstream television, and he was doing, uh, what, what uh, Jimmy Kimball's on Ben Stein, Win Ben Stein's Money, then he did, what, Crank Yankers and The Man Show, and that eventually led, you know, so, to his big, you know, mainstream Tonight Show, so, Drew comes up after, uh, Jimmy Kimmel gets done, and he's like, uh, thank you, uh, What's his name from Cable? Everyone's like, even Kemmel started cracking up because it was before he had hit the big time yet. So he, he was a genius on one of the roasts. So, you know, most of them, if you're going to make that show, you got to be at the top of your game. They don't just let anybody on there. He was certainly at the top of his game. Um, he actually uh, got his feet wet doing game shows in CBS's The Power of Ten. Which was short-lived, and when I when I saw the name, I do remember seeing a commercial for it or something. I can't say I ever watched an episode, but he got his feet wet in that, which led to, once you get your feet wet in something that makes you a specialist, it led to The Price is Right, which he's uh, currently on. And uh, he actually initially turned the show down, which, I mean, who the heck would turn down The Price is Right? I mean, that's the top game show. I mean, it's little effort. It's got a built-in audience. But he said, the reason he said, you know, Who's going to follow Bob Barker, you know? I mean, he's typecast in that role. Nobody could follow Bob Barker, you know, and finally he chose to do it. He, he announced it on, I think, the David Letterman show that he did choose, and he said, you know, I'm not going to try to follow Bob Barker because nobody can. I'm going to do my own thing, and if they accept me, great, and if they don't, they don't. But, you know, you, you can't follow a legend like that. Like, a lot of uh, characters get typecast. I remember Hogan's Heroes back in the day, the star of that. He couldn't get any work after that because he was... He was from Hogan's Heroes, that's all you remember. Nobody accepted him in another role. Even uh, Happy Days, the Fonz, you know. I mean, for years he couldn't get work after Happy Days. I remember he's the Fonz, man. He's nobody else. He can't play another role. I mean, as you get older and people, you know, the new generation forgot Happy Days, he did find some, some work after that. But it was a tough time after that. When you get typecast in a role, that's you and nobody else can do it. Uh, uh, since then... Uh, he actually did some uh, Canadian root beer commercials. Uh, he was doing uh, commercials up in Canada for root beer. There was some controversy with them where he ended up uh, suing them. I guess he was he did something with McDonald's logo on his TV show, which was a breach of the contract. So he sued him. They got in a big legal battle over over a root beer commercial. But hey, you know if you sign the guy on, he wants his money. And I, I don't know if you're advertising something other than their product. I guess they don't want to pay you. So welcome to welcome to show business. Uh, he did uh, Disney Sounds Dangerous, where uh, they follow him around with cameras and uh, Disney World and stuff. Uh, he did a cameo in the movie House Party. Uh, he was in The Sims computer game. And I remember The Sims... I don't know why I remember it, but I seem to remember that from somewhere. Um, he was in some Weird Al Yankovic videos, where I do remember those from the MTV days when they played videos. We'll never see that time again. It was such a special time in comedy. Um... 2002, he was invited to do the annual White House Correspondence Dinner, and I gotta tell you, not any comedian gets invited to the White House, man. You gotta be at the top of your game to get invited to the White House, and you gotta work clean. They don't have dirty acts at the White House, that's not what they do. So, uh, what an honor that is to, to be at the White House. 
Um, he was part of an Iraqi comedy tour for the troops back when we were in the Iraq War. He led the way. He was headlining uh, him and a few other stars over there in Iraq. So I guess that's back from his days in the military, you know, being in the Marines. He wanted to give back. Hey, I know what it's like to be in the troops. I'm going to give back. So that was cool. Uh, he actually did for a short time on the Travel Channel TV show where I mentioned he was a sports fan where he's in a photography tour where the Travel Channel would follow him where he went and took pictures of famous soccer games and soccer people. So everybody's got a hobby outside of comedy and I guess, you know, sports and uh, photography is his. Uh, he was on an episode of The Simpsons and I'm starting to think like, what what famous comedian hasn't been? i got to give it to The Simpsons, man. They tap into every mainstream comic, man, I can think of. Uh, more credits or not that... You know, The Simpsons, they're really into comedy and having comedians on. So hats off to them for supporting the comedy business. Uh, he was on Dancing with the Stars, which he said that was one of the toughest things that he ever did, which, you know, dancing's not your thing. I guess you got to learn how to dance. you got to perform in front of people. And so, like I said, the same thing with comedy. You may be funny around the house. Don't mean you're going to get up in front of a crowd and be funny. You know, same thing with dancing. You may you may do the boogie around the house, man. <laughs> dancing on TV in front of people is a whole different story. You don't want to look like an idiot. Um... He's had his own show for years on Sirius XM uh, Radio, which uh, I guess kind of like a podcast, like Funny Like Clown Podcast. He does this thing where where a lot, a lot of the big names are going over to Sirius because the FCC, they just, they, they want family stuff and nobody wants to listen to family stuff, but you got to control the airwaves. And I guess I go back, I forget the guy, but uh, he went on uh, the radio one time and he started saying aliens were attacking and he's going through this big thing for like on and on and... People thought it was a news report. They were taking guns and food, heading for the hills. They actually thought aliens were attacking, and he spread fear and panic, and then they asked him, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, it was just a dramatic thing, but he never introduced it as a dramatic thing. He went on and made it sound like he was doing it serious. He actually got off the hook for it, but that showed, you know, you can't use the public airwaves just to, you know, spread fear throughout people, so you can't just do whatever you want. We're serious, you can do whatever you want, because people are paying to tune in, so... Hats off, that's the HBO of its time, like we were talking about HBO earlier, that opened up a whole new venue. Well, Satellite Radio opened up a whole new venue. Even Howard Stern going over there, he said, man, you can say the F word now. He's like, I don't care about that. I want to do what I was doing on regular radio that they won't let me do anymore, you know, which it was a good point. Um, Drew Carey, he had eye surgery to correct his, uh, his uh, eye disorder, and... After he did it, he lost his trademark glasses, and they were worried. That's what he was known for, was those big, thick uh, Clark Kent Superman glasses. And once he lost them, they said, you know, your crowd's going to follow you. They eventually did because he was so talented. But, you know, when you're known for something, you don't want to lose that trademark, I'll tell you. It's a risque move in this business. Um, I guess toward the end of his, uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say toward the end of his career, he's still going, but... Uh, the big scandal, I guess, which he had nothing to do with, but he was he was engaged to a sex therapist, uh, Amy Horwick, which I guess if you're going to have good sex, uh, being engaged to a sex therapist is the way to go. That's, I don't know it's like a doctor of sex, but if you're dating a doctor of sex, they must know what they're doing in the sack there. But uh, they broke up and remained friends after the breakup, which uh, hats off to him because I'm not friends with any of my ex-girlfriends, man. I, I could never pull off that trick, you know? One of them wanted to remain friends with me, and I'm like, well, that's kind of why we broke up, because we don't want to be friends, isn't it? You know, you don't really stay friends in my head after you break up. You break up because you don't want to see each other. <laughs> but, but hey, if, you, if that's your thing, if you can see each other after you break up, hats off to you. Nothing I can I can really pull up. Maybe I haven't reached adulthood. I don't know. Maybe everybody's different. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm probably, uh, most of my exes don't like me very much. I don't know. But hey, you know, 
I don't like them either, so fuck that. <laughs> um, but uh, in uh, 2020, uh, she was found dead in, uh, in her Hollywood home, and I guess one of her ex-boyfriends was a prime suspect. He, he's arrested and awaiting trial in there. And this still shook him up because, I mean, this was still the love of his life, even though you know, they were engaged to be married and they called off the wedding and remained friends. I mean, certainly, you know, the, the love of your life. I've, I've dated a lot of girls, but I can say, even when I thought I was in love with some of the women, when you finally actually fall in love with someone, you realize what love is. I realized I was never in love until I found one girl, and, and uh, I guess that's your soulmate when you finally find that person. And he found that person for whatever reason, you know, they didn't go through with the marriage, but I can only imagine, you know, dating somebody, still caring for them, remaining friends, and finding out they they were dead. How do you, how do, man, life's tough. It deals you some blows. Uh, everybody deals with death differently, but what a storied career, man. I mean, you know, he, he paid his dues, which a lot of comics don't want to do nowadays. He worked his way up, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of good things in comedy. Everybody asks me, man, how do you do that? How do you do that, man? You must be funny, and I'm like, you know, being funny is only part of it. I, I do the big things I'm doing because I outwork everybody, you know? Everybody wants to be, well, what? Kevin Hart said it. Everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to put in the work. Everybody, everybody's, oh, you hand it to me. You hand it to me. I'm wicked funny. You hand it to me. Well, there's a whole lot of comics out there wicked funny. What makes you different than them, okay? You got to outwork them. That's what makes you different. And this guy, he did the work. I mean, uh, the price is right. He'll forever be remembered. A uh, classic sitcom show. His stand-up, you know, and all started, you know, Buying a book at the library and wrote, writing jokes for uh, a friend of his who did a radio show. It all started with that. So you never know where you're going to find your funny, but keep you funny because laughter is the best medicine. Don't ever lose that. Um, and I, I guess to this day, still, he donates uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to libraries to keep libraries open because, you know, we're all going to the internet. We're going to tablets. I don't even know who uses the library anymore, you know. Very few. That's why I'm surprised Barnes & Noble stays open because... Uh, these kids are looking, what's a book? What's a book? I got on my tablet, I read stuff. That's the day and age we live in. But, uh, hey, library's free. Don't ever forget it. Uh, and it's it's certainly a great mecca and a great place to get you started on any subject, educating yourself. So, Drew Carey, legendary comedian. Hats off to his career. He keeps them laughing. You keep laughing. This is Funny Com Podcast. Hopefully, I'm keeping you laughing. I'm keeping you informed. We're tuning in. Uh, support your uh, local comedy club, man. If they ever need you, it's now. So, Please get out there and keep laughing. Don't let fear overcome common sense. And, you know, don't ever lose laughter because if you lose laughter out of your life, what else is there, man? There's just misery. Keep laughing, folks. Till next time, good night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.